Hello, and welcome to Trinity's Decisions in Life Sciences, the podcast that brings together industry experts to discuss the most important decisions being made today and the impact that those decisions are having on the healthcare ecosystem of tomorrow. My name is Matthew Rube, and today I'll be speaking with some of the authors of a white paper published earlier this year on diversity in clinical trials. Welcome to the podcast, and thank you all so much for being here. Can you all tell me a bit about yourselves? My name is Michelle Andrews, and I'm a principal and also head of our Dynamic Market Intelligence COE here at Trinity. And I'm also a co-lead on our Cultural Perspectives team along with Monique. Hello, I'm Monique Marsh. I'm an Associate Director and Head of Qualitative Innovation and Implementation within our Qualitative Center of Excellence. Fantastic. So to get started, Monique, can you tell me a bit about where the idea for this white paper came from? How did it get started? Well, the initial idea came from one of our former colleagues who's now moved on to medical school, Peter Palumbo. He was really concerned about the lack of diversity among clinical trial participants. And so from his concern and his push to move this forward uh, came our goal, which is really to explore how a historic lack of diversity in clinical trials is being addressed and even whether it's being addressed at all, to be frank. Minority groups make up about 40% of this country, but only make up about 5 to 10% of clinical trial participants historically in the U.S., which is a very sad and sobering fact. Ultimately, we set out to understand what's really driving the lack of diversity. So we entered the research with several hypotheses, and I will say to varying degrees, all of those appear to be mostly accurate. To start, we assumed um, that this has been occurring so long uh, simply because there's no oversight or accountability for even ensuring that there is diversity in clinical trial populations. And by and large, our research found that this is in fact correct, except in cases where race or ethnicity is relevant to the trial outcomes and endpoints, diversity is really not a guiding consideration for trial recruitment. We also expected that even when efforts are made, that there is difficulty in recruiting minority trial participants. A lot of this very much ties to the history of mistreatment of minorities for scientific research, uh, but is also related to direct efforts not being made to find minority participants for clinical trials by the pharma companies and other research sponsors. You know, one thing in the white paper you mentioned is that the FDA revised its guidance on clinical trial diversity back in November of 2020. And I realized that since then they've updated it again. It seems like it's a very relevant moment to be doing a thorough examination of what diversity in trials looks like today. You know, this was a perspective from a life sciences company. We we realized that there was a lot of study and critical pieces that have been published regarding lack of diversity in clinical trials. So our goal was to use the resources we have as a life sciences company to provide that uh, another look into what was happening here. And our initial goal was to be exploratory. As you said, we were sort of launching off of the FDA's guidance that was revised back in 2020 at the time we started this research. And we initially started with that systematic literature review where we found hundreds of papers. The exploratory focus shifted very quickly to how could we be more prescriptive? It was really impossible to ignore the evidence in front of us that there was this glaring lack of racial diversity, especially in clinical trials. But there was also sort of a a pointing out of the problem, but 
maybe still a bit more ambivalence in actually getting something done and making recommendations on what needed to be done. So we switched our focus to provide some advice. And in part, that came from the literature review. And in part, that came from the interviews that Monique and team had conducted, because there were many participants who had some wonderful ideas on what might work that were either short-term focused or longer-term focused. And that insight based on physicians leading clinical trials, as well as clinical trial coordinators and patients themselves provided just some rich insights that we felt it was too important not to be prescriptive. We also were able to examine what successful clinical trial programs looked like and what types of programs were initiated to make sure diversity was a priority in those clinical trials. You know, Interestingly, since then, back in April of this year, the FDA came out with yet another revision to their recommendations that were much more specific in terms of metrics to use to make sure that there was diversity being applied as a critical component of clinical trials. Very good point, Michelle. I would say that I agree. I don't think that our being prescriptive didn't go unnoticed, actually. Um, Our paper was picked up by Fierce Biotech uh, also, who referenced our article uh, back in March for one of their write-ups on why the FDA needs actual diversity policies to boost representation in clinical trials. So we can only hope that folks really are listening to what we have to say in this white paper. And as a result, of all of that different research, you left, it seems like, with a really comprehensive picture of the current state of diversity in clinical trials and just some numbers you found as an example. In 2017, of over 59,000 clinical trial participants for 46 novel drugs, white patients represented nearly 77% of all participants. Anything else notable that you found in your research, Monique? As I started to touch on before, marketing matters even when it comes to clinical trial enrollment, but in many cases, it isn't even extensive enough to increase minority interest in clinical trials. So with that said, I really do think that consideration needs to be given on how to recruit and retain underserved populations for trials. For instance, we had no challenges at all for the qualitative part of this research finding physicians to participate in the trial, even those who are principal investigators on many trials. Easy peasy. On the other end of the spectrum, it was very challenging to find minorities who have participated in clinical trials to speak about their experience. And so once we went through and were able to get a critical mass of folks to speak on their experience, we had a very clear picture of what some of the challenges are. And so some of the key things we learned related to those challenges are that doctor-patient relationships really do matter. So the stronger the doctor-patient relationship or bond, the more open they will be to participating in a trial if their physician recommends it to them. We also found that the racial makeup and demeanor of trial coordinators matters. This is very key, especially when trying to recruit African-American or Hispanic, especially Spanish-only speaking participants. Having clinical trial coordinators who speak the native language of the participants helps get them on board and also helps keep them engaged throughout the process. 
And then also the path of least resistance is something that we learned is a key theme in terms of recruiting for clinical trials. So it seems very much like the pervasive sentiment is, you know, the approach for recruitment is to go for the lowest hanging fruit and get participants from where it's easiest to recruit versus doing the extra legwork needed to actually reach the minority populations that should be very important to include in clinical trials. We do know that it is difficult to recruit to clinical trials just in general. And when you talk about recruiting for uh, minority populations, it does get an additional level of difficulty to the recruitment process. So we wanted to understand a little bit more about that. And one of the things we did here was that some institutions are favored with respect to their ability to recruit to clinical trials. So those institutions might be tapped into maybe a little bit more frequently, which might lead to some geographic or general biases towards who participates in clinical trials as well. So we wanted to make sure that the the part of our research mentioned that there should be a diversity of geography and demographics for the institutions that are targeted as part of research. Another thing we heard was the question of should patients be remunerated for participation in clinical trials? And we did hear very loud and clear that patients did not necessarily want to be compensated for their participation, but they definitely and reasonably do not want to be in a worse financial situation as a result of participating in clinical trials. So it would go a long way for recruitment of these participants if institutions investigators and sponsors could pay particular attention to those financial contributions of participation, such as transportation, gas and mileage reimbursement, or bus fare, would go a long way towards making uh, participants feel comfortable that they will not necessarily be in a financial distress from participation. I think another thing we heard is loud and clear is the history of past mistakes like the Tuskegee experiment um, lives on in the minds of minority patients. And although we did hear specifically about Tuskegee, we do know that there are other atrocities that have been done in the name of medical research, including, for example, mass sterilization of minority populations that occurred well into the mid and late 20th century in the U.S., but there are many participants who mention that they are wary when they hear about the experimental nature of a clinical study. And these things are so ingrained in the collective consciousness that it's something that we really need to address head on. Any other macro changes that need to happen broadly, Monique, to improve diversity in clinical trials in the short term, but also over the long term? I mean, I do think there are definitely some changes that would be helpful, some of which are, I think are achievable in the near term. And that would be things such as enhancements to trial design, like thoughtful site selection uh, to make sure that you have sites that are in close proximity to larger populations of minorities, and also accessible outreach touch points. I think, though, in the long term, it's really going to take investment in advertising and even just positive media campaigns that 
you know, really make folks feel okay and comfortable with participating in clinical trials in 2022 and beyond. I really also think at an even higher macro level, improving representation in pharma leadership is going to be important. Having a seat at the table, we know, can change things. And beyond that, I think there are other changes that we discuss in the paper that will be needed to support broader, longer-lasting trial diversity. Yes, I agree, Monique. This clearly isn't something poised to change overnight. Uh, But the paper does go into remarkably fantastic detail about what needs to change and what type of investment is needed to make these changes. And some are very surprisingly not resource intensive and could be implemented uh, quite quickly. There were others that, of course, more long-term, but within the paper, it describes a multitude of ways to support those changes and also how to increase the diversity among clinical trial populations and how also that is beneficial to the trial process overall. Therefore, we highly recommend anybody interested in reading this paper, uh, follow the link in the episode description to find our white paper and read more about how diverse trials support this type of methodological stewardship. It will also support accuracy of safety reporting, generalizability of results, and also support patient outcomes. We'd like to take a moment to thank the many people that contributed towards this very important research. Their names will be listed in the episode description, along with the link to access the paper. Thank you again so much for listening.